Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Gastroenteritis Blues. My name is Steve Lippman. I'm with Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone. Dan, your hair is very, how you say, cute today. How Thank did you. you throw this little number together? I just put it in a bun because it was in my eyes, but it's not that long, so it's a really baby bun. It's a top but, bun. Um, are you yeah. nervous at all? Uh, listen, Keith Pompey is on this fucking episode. Um, whether he's actually allegedly or if we're putting some audio of his from locked on sixers on this episode you're gonna hear him in here um are you at all rethinking the haircut after this half hour when we talk and once keith comes on or are you gonna stay true to yourself i don't understand the question dan the question is are you at all going to doubt the hair the hair the top bun when keith comes on no, I think I look nice for Keith. Like, I love you know, it. like, you like I'm, so ex- I'm so excited for today. Like, we wanted it's so to have funny. Keith, we've wanted to have Keith on for so long. This is very exciting. I know. It's really an underdog story. I hope that, uh, you know, everything's all good and we see him very shortly. Um, but, you know, it, listen, if the title of the podcast that you're listening to says Keith Pompey, then he's on. Great. So don't worry about it. But, uh, we'll see. This uh, was a good week for the Sixers. The Sixers won all three games. They swept Boston in a home sort of series. And then uh, on Saturday night, they beat Detroit in a road back-to-back. Um, and they just looked really good. Um, Emily, who predicted rightly and who predicted wrongly this week? Well, I predicted very rightly putting the Sixers at a 3-0 and week. Ever the optimist on this podcast paid off for once. Nicely. And done. I'm uh, catching up with Dan in the in the overall season. Dan had them going two and one, beating Boston both times because he hates Boston and couldn't pick them to win. Um, and Steve, you went one and two. I am so bad at this. Ever the pessimist, really falling behind. So the total overall. Season standings, Dan is at 12 and five. I'm at 11 and six. And Steve is at seven and 10. Seven and, wow. <laughs> I was hoping I was going to have a, at least double digits, but not even close. Um, these were great games. These were lots of fun. Embiid was absolutely mammoth in, in all three of them. Uh, I get, we can talk about all of them as a whole, or we can go one by one. But Emily, what were your big takeaways from the series against Boston and then last night or Saturday night's win? Um, I think pretty obviously it's Joel. He is, like you said, playing out of his mind. And I'm also at this point um, in my relationship with him and with him as a player where I want him to play back-to-backs and I want him to play in all these games. I think his like 
fitness has reached that level. And based on what I saw like last night and it seems like it, it is like, he didn't look gassed in the fourth quarter. He didn't look, he was still playing incredibly in the fourth quarter. He didn't really seem like he was, you know, taking plays off. I hope that, you know, that keeps up and he's, it's not putting himself at a greater injury risk, but I do think that if we want Joel to be MVP and really take his game to the next level and take this team to the next level, he needs to play those games and needs to, you know, we, I, I feel like we're at the point where we, we don't need to baby him as much. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he wants to be babied. Um, but not. I, I feel like he's reached the point where, you know, we can take the training wheels off and just be like, go, you do you all the time, whenever you want. And if that, if this is what happens when we do that, like, let's keep doing it because he's incredible. He's just unbelievable at basketball. It's so much fun to watch. Unbelievable at basketball. It's, it's ridiculous to watch him play well, like, especially in those Boston games when they just had no answer for him. And like Tristan Thompson, Daniel Tice, he's irritating them like crazy because he's getting fouled constantly and he's great at shooting free throws. And I mean, I just, I, you know, in the process, they're like, when we were going through it, we couldn't have prayed for somebody this good and lovable and like wonderful to be the end result. Yeah. He got plumly fouled out with like over five minutes left in the game last night. Like it yeah. wasn't even like a last minute foul. Like it was like well in the, like only halfway <laughs> through the fourth quarter. It's like he's done. Joel got him. Um, yeah. And I, you know, right now, Dan, we'll go to you, but like the MVP thing is real. I mean, we're however many games, 15, 17 games into the season. And he is the prohibitive favorite. The Sixers are one in the East and, and he's clearly the best player. Um, the only thing about, I, I agree about back-to-backs. It's great to see him play as much and as well as he has. The only thing you worry about is that you look up at the end of the year and did he play like 68 of 72 and he's gassed for the playoffs. But I would trust that they're they're looking at that pretty carefully. And, and I would hope that everybody's sort of coming together because you don't want him to lose MVP to, despite being the MVP because of the games played thing. But, uh, you know, just keeping him healthy and keeping him playing as well as he is is great. Uh, Dan, what, are, what did you take away from the week? Yeah, I mean, can't complain about a three in a week. That's a, that's a pretty good week. Um, the, I didn't catch uh, last night's game yet, so I still need to go back and, and watch that. But, um, you know, like I said to you guys, I, you know, I know, you know, some people were saying, well, it was a close game and we were playing the worst team in the league. But basically the way I see it is any win off of, you know, on the second half of a back-to-back uh, is, is a good win to me. On the road, so, too. Yeah, on the road. I, I think it was, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, without having seen the game, I can definitely say that if you told me before the game started that, the, you know, they only beat the Pistons by four, mm-hmm. and I would say, you know what, that's fine, because it was second half back-to-back. Um, they beat the Celtics twice, which was awesome. I love beating the Celtics. Like, oh, it's just the best. I, I love when Boston loses. I love when we win. It's really nice. Um, I was disappointed Tatum didn't play either game because we still haven't seen the Sixers play a good team while both teams are at full strength. It's either been, you know, when they they haven't played a lot of good teams, and when they have, either the Sixers are missing someone or the team they're playing is missing someone important. Um, but I'm not going to let that stop my enjoyment of beating Boston twice in a three in a week. I thought it was a great week. Yeah, and there's something to be said, I think, for beating any team that's in front, like being what what are they 12 and 5 12 and 4 like that's super impressive if you look around the league like lots of guys are missing games and teams are losing shitty games and the Sixers haven't really 
done that. And I think that's a testament to Doc and to Embiid being as good as he is. We should talk about Ben, um, who went out there and played some good basketball. Happy to see it. Uh, he had a very good uh, fourth quarter against Boston in the second game and then a very good all-around game uh, against Detroit on Saturday. He just killed – his defense looks great. I, I think his defense looked great all year. Um, he killed Jeremy Grant, who I love and I'm happy for his success, but it was – I mean, he just couldn't do anything against Ben. And you really can't even dribble in front of him. I just would like to delineate that, like, Ben having a couple good games – and uh, us being complimentary of him on here, it does not retroactively mean that criticizing him when he was playing badly was wrong. You know what I mean? Like you're allowed to uh, say he was good when he was good and even say you'd like him to be a little better. Uh, and when he's bad, you should be able to say he's being bad. And, and Dan, I'm sure that the, this game and a quarter didn't you know, meaningfully change your, your whole Ben Simmons outlook, but it was probably nice to just see him contributing uh, in a very positive way on offense. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I haven't seen last night's game yet, but I saw that he had 20 points, which is the first time he's had 20 points this season. His previous high was 17. Um, one thing that's interesting about him is like his like staunchest defenders will insist that it really doesn't matter if he scores because he does so much else. But if you, I'm sure if you ask them to name all of his best games, they'll name the few games where he's been in the 30s. So it matters if he scores. And it's really helpful to the team when he scores. Um, I thought, you know, honestly, against the Celtics, I think that to say he even played a full good quarter is is maybe not fully accurate. Not, I mean, I it's like overall that fourth quarter was very good, but it was because he was so good in the last three minutes. I mean, he was the best player on the floor in that game. Um, That's true. Which is fantastic. Um, I want to see that from him more than once in a while. I mean, he should he should be able to, you know, make make an impact like that far more often. I mean, he's getting to the line more. He's making more foul shots. So those are both positive signs. But 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 ultimately, he, ultimately, he just needs to end up scoring more points. And I'm hoping he he realizes that. I'm hoping the Ducks, you know, behind closed doors stance on that isn't what he said publicly, which is I don't care. Um, and, and, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, what, what we've, you know, what we've seen scoring wise to end the Boston game. And then at least looking at the box score of last night is that, you know, Ben is, is going to start looking to, to score more and hopefully is, I don't know if his knee was hurting or what, but he had looked slow um, and he looked much quicker at the end of the Boston game. Hopefully he's, you know, feeling better, feeling, you know, more himself and, and getting more comfortable in, you know, whatever, you know, changes Doc Rivers has made, because that would, make a huge difference for this team, especially if, if, you know, they can keep Tobias Harris shooting as well, or if, if Shake can you know, sustain being, you know, such a quality player, then, then yeah, that, then if, if those things happen and Ben can get back to being Ben with the lead Joe Ellis taking, I mean, the team is looking better than I thought they would be. And that's including with Ben playing, you know, pretty bad so far. So hopefully, hopefully we're seeing him get back on track. Yeah, Tobias, who I don't know if we were going to get to, but Tobias is 50, 40, 90 right now. He's been great, he, like just really doing what the team needs him to do. So that's been great. Emily, uh, anything on uh, Ben from the last few days? I mean, uh, it, was a, it was a good week. What do you think? Yeah, I'm just happy to see him playing like this. I hope he keeps it up. Um, it helped, like Dan said, it helps the team when he plays like this. So, yeah. Um, so I wanted to go through some vibes checks. 
Um, vibe checks, got it. Vibe checks. Uh, so four no, days like ago. Attorneys general. It's it's vibes check. <laughs> vibes check. Yeah, that's the plural. It's like RBI. Um, uh, Pablo Torre had Ramona. Uh, I was going to say Ramona Singer for my Real Housewives of New York heads out there. Uh, Ramona Shelburne was on the podcast talking about Joelle and uh, the Harden trade. And she said, I think Joelle's first reaction was sort of like a relief. And that's not to say anything about James Harden, but he had started to find this chemistry with Ben Simmons. And I think both of them had been looking for, for their entire careers in Philly. So I read that and I said, oh, well, that's called a lie. That's called something that's not true that she said. So uh, just because it seems like the way you would package it after you don't get the guy, it's like you say, I'm so excited, how fun. Um, that was before the uh, Boston games. So then they play Boston and it's a love fest between Simmons and Embiid out after the games talking about being in love with each other. Sim this is from Kyle Newbeck. Simmons says that he and Embiid have been in constant communication about what they can do to help each other this year. Side note, who texts each other more? Simmons and Embiid are the three of us, hard to know. Example this week, Embiid texted him earlier in the week saying that he's been missing him on too many duck-ins, wanted to remedy that tonight. Joel Embiid, this is from Rich Hoffman. Joel Embiid says he's close with Ben Simmons. Simmons agrees with him in a, fought, in a hard fought game against uh, Boston. The rest of that doesn't matter. Embiid said this year, not that the previous years we haven't been on the court very close, but this year it's been different. This year, I can't even explain it. It's just been different. I love playing with him and I'm sure he loves playing with me too. And it's just, I don't even know how to explain it. This is like a romantic comedy. It's been fun having someone Can we like write that, this romantic comedy? I would love to. Uh, <laughs> I can be a playmaker, like a but I don't need to be a playmaker because I have him. Uh, and beat also, this is after the, after the second game, he just, it was like an acceptance speech. He's shouting out all of the Sixers and how well they've been doing. I love playing with Ben. The fourth quarter, he was a monster. He got a lot of steals. He was attacking. He was aggressive. Da, da, da. Seth has been huge for us. He looks like he hasn't missed a beat. Uh, Tobias has been playing at an all-star level. We've got Shake coming in. Could be sixth man of the year. Danny Green, great defender. This is like, I'm, like what's going on? Uh, you got Dwight Howard coming in off the bench, being a monster on the offensive defensive glass. You've got Matisse, who also has potential for an all defensive team or defensive player of the year this year. Definitely. I'm not sure he um, has the minutes for that. No, Dan. Sorry. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> so then uh, after the second Boston game and B does an ESPN interview and they ask him just like a sort of stock question about the game. And he goes, Ben Simmons was wonderful. I love Ben Simmons. So <laughs> this is super cool. I mean, obviously, a week ago, Dan and I were both talking about trading Simmons. And it's not that I've completely, like, totally revamped my position. But I'm happy to see him be so happy. But you're getting the there is what you're saying. You're coming <laughs> back to my side. Uh, I still would trade Simmons. I just love uh, the love fest. It's very cute. Uh, so, Emily, you're beaming. What did you think of <laughs> this? these lovely quotes coming out of Philadelphia. My favorite part is when I really wanted that text to be just like, he he texted me that he misses me, end quote right there. Not like he's <laughs> missing me on the jackets, just he misses me. I feel like right. that would have really, they could have just added the dot, dot, dot and everyone would have been wondering. That would be better. Um, but I'm, I enjoyed this love fest. I also saw they had been on NBC Sports Philly last night from like, the eagle eye view i don't know if anyone saw that the camera was like 10 feet over his head it was very weird um 
but he was kind of saying they're like what is how do you guys have chemistry now and he was like it just sometimes it just takes time and we're here and the time has come the moment this is, is like, now this could be our bachelor conversation it's all the same quotes just about <laughs> fan and joel they're on a journey um they're taking this journey together you know it'll be right. it's great i love it i love um there's all these videos that come out during pregame kyle takes some and um lauren rosen i think takes some and they're just like rapping and dancing and oh it's just fantastic yeah um for me it's like and the team's vibes are as good as Embiid's vibes are. And we've seen Embiid be very down over the years. And he's clearly up right now because he's playing so well. And he has teammates that he trusts. Dan, I, I understand that you're not so romanced by these quotes that I read to want to I, extend Simmons' contract. No, I but think have it's, you, it's great. have you enjoyed it? Yeah, of course. I mean, I know everyone said last year, especially like, I know there Ben made the comments earlier in the year that like, you know, we get along fine. We're just not like friends off the court. And, you know, it's like, I don't care. That's fine. Like they don't, they don't have to be best buds, but it's cute that they are. So uh, yeah. yeah, very nice. It's been a, been a, been a very cute week for our Sixers. I do have a question. Yeah. The, I know you said like that Ramona quote um, that like your first vibe is or instinct is to just say, this is a lie. But I do wonder if, I mean, I don't think it's a hundred percent lie. And I kind of think there's a kernel of truth in it that the things we know about Joel, like not really liking change and not really, uh-huh. you know, trusting people, like taking a while to open up, trusting people around and people he's been with for a while. I think there is part of it there that he's like, I don't want to bring this new guy in. And it's not just like a rotational player. He's <clears throat> like a cornerstone guy and like build that trust with him when he's had been with him for, you know, four or so years and, I mean, it hasn't been like, you know, their relationship, all the stuff we talked about, but it's getting there. And it, I think Joel like takes time with people. So I think there is a truth in that, that he didn't want to, you know, build this relationship with someone else. Yeah. So I think that, um, I think that, first of all, they wouldn't have offered that trade if Embiid was like adamant, do not do this. Like, I don't think Maury and, and Brandon, whomever would be at the table for that long, if Embiid would not would be like super pissed if they traded Ben for Harden. But I definitely believe that, you know, that Ramona quote, if it was the only quote from the week, it would be very easy to be like, well, you know, who cares? Cause it's like promotional. Um, but the fact that you just see them growing closer in terms of their partnership and playing so well together, you know, won't always be this good. You know, it's harder to be this way when you lose whatever five of six, but um, We're not going to do think that, though, Steve. That's true. Um, I think that uh, there's probably something to Embiid enjoying having Simmons on the team. And and also, like, he gets to be the absolute hub of the offense. And Simmons, our big problems with him are, like, he's so deferential. And, like, if anything, you know, maybe that is something Embiid appreciates in, a, in another player. Dan, what about you? What do you think of that? Well, about – you just mean about – about like whether I, I buy it that he was half like sad about it or yeah what, or happy what can or, you or glean about like the right about the Embiid thoughts on the Harden thing I mean I'm, I, I think Emily you know is probably right in that you know Embiid does really like Ben and he also doesn't really like change and you know it's not as easy as you know Stephen Adams occasionally says that you know when someone gets traded he gets traded and he's been asked a couple times if he'll miss his teammates and he said they didn't die, so no. 
but I don't think it's that simple for everyone. You know, maybe it is for him. Um, another, he was a, he was a pick guy, but I think he hated Pitt. Um, but you know, Keith is a pick guy. I'm a pick guy. So I just had to get that in there. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't think he would have been sad. Like, I think he would have been relieved if the trade happened because, you know, the Sixers are, are at that point looking more like contenders and finally, at least the, the both, both ways, the trade talk is done and, and there's no, there's less up in the air. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was like strongly lobbying the front office to, to not make that deal. I think that if that were the case, it wouldn't have gotten this far along. Yeah. I, my guess is that he would have been happy either way because otherwise they wouldn't have fucked around with it for so long. Um, let's get in uh, some more stuff before Keith gets here. Um, Norvell Pell, famous for taking a picture with Emily, uh, signed with the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> the Nets are chock full of ex-Sixers. Um, Emily, have you spoken to Norvell and what do you think about him in Brooklyn? Um, I haven't spoken to him recently. I'll have to add him to my list of random people that I Instagram DM. I'll add him and see if I can get a quote from him. But I, (laughs) it's interesting because, you know, with all the trades the Nets made, they kind of lost any like big center that could kind of handle and be like a Jared Allen or, you know, is Norvell mm-hmm. Pell their answer to that? Because the man is going to foul out in three. Oh my minutes. God. And he's going to get that guy. Well, to literally. He's, he's so going like, to get backed over. I'm <laughs> yeah. unsure that this is a correct solution for that, but I'm, I'm happy for Norvell. I hope they have some type of fun promotion where he can wave his arms around his <laughs> large wingspan he's just a delightful person so i hope he's happy with uh who's there tlc and landry shamit yeah yeah um dan do you have anything on norvell are you afraid of him being in the east i'm i'm it's a little scary but you know what (laughs) the man deserves to compete for a ring and i'm glad he's getting the chance to do so um the Sixers. so the sixers cut dakota mathias friend of the pod uh they cut him Right in the middle of the day, just ruined his day. Uh, and we were all thinking, I don't know, pardon trade? What do we think? You know, are they, is Brooklyn <laughs> rerouting him to Philadelphia? Who knows? Um, but the Sixers freed up his two-way spot and brought in uh, Rajon Tucker, who um, I, I don't know and haven't researched. Uh, Dan, what do you think about Rajon Tucker? Handsome. Handsome, muscular. <laughs> yep. It's like that game where you just like describe things and someone guesses. Handsome, muscular, man. Like, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Happy to have you, Rajon. The 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 big news of the week, though, if we're if we're being honest, is the Bachelor news. So um, Claire and Dale possibly broke up. Definitely broke up. It's not possible. I saw that I thought I saw, I at one point heard they were having issues and then and then I heard somewhere else that they were separated and Steve you sent me uh, that one article or I don't know if it was an article it was an Instagram post about um, Claire posted something on Instagram being like you know now it's out there I put my all into this relationship um, it's basically saying he was like a fame seeker yes. Which, I mean, she's known him for so long. I don't know how she didn't catch that in the 13 days before they got engaged. It's crazy. <laughs> Emily, what do you Feels think so about Claire and Dale? Are you upset? 
Um, I don't know if I'm upset. I, but I don't like wish for, I, I mean, I wish they would have made it. I wish for people's happiness. I don't want people to be sad and get broken up with. Yeah. But, I mean, I, listen, I straight up didn't like either of them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, not much, not much skin off my back, but it got upgraded to Tisha and, and Zach. So. Oh, by far. Um, yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, I wish them the best. Did you guys watch Love is Blind? We haven't talked about this. Uh, yes. No from Dan. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Um, so listen, we are going to welcome in Philadelphia Inquirer beat reporter Keith Pompey to the podcast. He's joining the call right now. Hi, Keith. How are yeah. you? Hi. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. What's up, people? How y'all doing? Doing good. All right, We're let me see. I'm just glad to be on here. I'm, I'm gonna turn this light out right quick, okay? I yeah, see sure. it's too bright. Now, how's that? Is that okay? I'm sorry, That's I'm perfect. missing the hotel room. That's great. Yeah. Perfect. So what's up? Not much. We're we're excited to have you on. Talk a little Sixers. Um, how how have you been? I mean, you're you're traveling a lot right now, obviously. So how's how's everything going, like travel wise during COVID? Uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, it's not as okay. Back in the day, like I would travel and I would say, okay, let me go to a restaurant the night before the game, or or hook up with a friend, right? Especially being in Detroit, I hang out with people from Pitt. But this year was more like, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, I'm fine. All right, I'll see you next year. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, so, so that's been it. But I don't know. It, it's cool. I, I, I still like going to the games and seeing them in person, you know. So it, it, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, you, you brought up Pitt. So before we talk too much Sixers, I couldn't pass up the chance to ask you, I mean, do you keep up with Pitt athletics a lot? And if so, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Jeff Capel fan. I would love to hear your thoughts on the state of the basketball team right now. Let me just tell you this. So Ala Abdul Nabdi, who's the play-by-play guy for the Sixers, you know, um, played at Duke. So did Elton Brand. So it was like, I want to say I woke up at six o'clock in the morning and I was doing trash talk text to both of them. And then I said, I tweeted like hell to Pitt. And then I trolled um, Billy King, who used to be the Sixers, you know, general manager and mm-hmm. about Pitt. So yeah, I, I take fun <laughs> at it. And, and the, frank, That's the, crazy, awesome. the crazy thing to make you laugh, I've been talking smack all year. Like I just thought Pitt was going to get destroyed, but I kept saying, we're coming after you guys. We're going to crush yeah. you, we're gonna crush you. So now <laughs> I feel great, you know? Because, so. because you called it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, I'm the prophet. <laughs> you know I, mean? I love yeah, that show the pit in the background, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really nice to see them. My freshman year, so I'm a senior right now. My freshman year was the year they went 0-19 in the ACC. Ooh. And so the turnaround from that to, you know, I know Duke isn't great this year, but they're still a great program and, and we're just going in so much better direction. It feels great. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So some of some of your, you know, reporting lately has been, you know, like just like awesome like bits of information that like things that like no one else has has really had. And one thing that I know stood out to the three of us was um you know, you mentioned that at one point the Sixers thought they had a deal to the point where agents were informed. Um, so obviously, you know, the Sixers thought, you know, that something was, it was obviously very serious, but from, you know, what you heard as a whole, not just specific to that, were you just surprised that the Sixers didn't land Harden? Did you think, you know, obviously the team thought they had him. Did you think that they were getting him? You know, and initially put it this way. And, and when it initially happened, I didn't think they had a chance of getting Harden just because of, um, you look at, you know, think about it, y'all. This summer, all we were hearing was how Harden was going to Brooklyn. And then you also heard how, like, the owner of the uh, the Houston Rockets did not want to tr make give Harden to the Sixers. So you're, like, you're looking at it, and then you, you start thinking, and, and you start thinking about Daryl Morey, then Meek Mill was saying things. So you're like, okay, well, maybe this might happen. And then, like, when it didn't happen, you're kind of, like, saying to yourself, well, I'm an idiot for thinking that it was going to happen because we That's all I feel he was going to go to Brooklyn, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, you know, you feel like that you got played and like, and, uh, and, and feeding into the hype, but yeah, so I wasn't shocked, but, um, you know, you look at it and you see the relationship that he had with Daryl Morey, you see how, you know, you think that he and Joel could be a, a, a great one, two pairing. So of course you were thinking that it was going to happen, but, when you go back to it, nah, we all got played. <laughs> so speaking of Harden, and I guess this would be, have been Harden's uh, potential trade chip, um, but Ben Simmons, it seems that him and Joel's relationship has really taken a leap this season um, based on like quotes and, you know, things people are writing and putting out. We were just wondering, like, based on what you know and your intel on the team, do you, do you find that as well, that their relationship has really grown this season? I do. I do. And, and and I think, you know, there's two things here. I think that they're, they're becoming older players, but I also think a lot of it has to do with Doc Rivers. You know, there was times where, you know, Doc Rivers is, uh, came in and he always wanted, when he had meetings, from what you hear, he met with both of them. He also, like when they would do interviews, like they did an interview with ESPN and Doc Rivers said, hey, I want both of them to be on a line, you know, in a Zoom call to do this interview. So I think, you know, it, it's to a point now that, you know, when they were younger, in my opinion, they were competing with each other to be the star. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, is it Ben's team? If it's Joel's team? Now it looks like, you know, they realized because of Doc and because of Doc had other great players, he informed them like, hey, someone has to sacrifice. You guys have to work together in order for you guys to win and to uh, succeed. And when you look at it now, even yesterday, they were in constant communication. You know, they were the first one high-fiving each other. And like you said, it is noticeable. It's very noticeable. So the other thing that <laughs> we do love to see that. Um, <laughs> the other thing that uh, it seems like you were all over, especially this summer during the off season was the upheaval in the front office. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like you had lots of good sources and good uh, intel on that. And somebody who Sixers fans, I think, have a hard time pegging down like exactly what his role is, is Scott O'Neill. Do you have any idea what his involvement at this point is on the basketball side of things, if any? 
You know what? I, that's a great question. Um, I, I right now the way that Daryl Morey is making all that money, you know, reportedly twelve point five million. I right. think that they they look at him and and they realize that, you know, um, you know he he's going to be the guy totally in charge. And even with the Scott O'Neill thing, you know, here's the thing. You know, Scott O'Neill's the CEO, so a lot of people always said that he was pulling the strings with the Sixers. That's what they said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how much involvement he had because you have to factor. He's also the CEO of the of the hockey team or mm-hmm. he was in charge of that. So that's a lot of things to do. Um, so I, I think that, you know, you know, Scott O'Neill, I don't think that he's in, involved in the day to day. You know, he is the, the CEO. But when it comes down to basketball decisions, um, it's uh, Daryl Morey, you know, Elton Brand, Doc Rivers. But Daryl Morey is the head guy. Got it. For um, you know, you you mentioned earlier you still really enjoy you know being at the games, even though it's obviously not the same. But but what is that like? Because you know, as you know, as you know, just like fans, we don't really have the opportunity, and they do a good job on TV at least of making it feel like, especially the Sixers. You know, the Sixers, you know, like the staff at the Wells Fargo Center seem to have done an incredible job. Like the crowd noise seems so real and like natural when they play it. But when you're there, how does it how does it feel to like see the empty, empty stadium and and, you know, not have that kind of regular crowd noise that that you you normally hear? You know, that's a great question. It it got to the point like since uh, since the pandemic started and, you know, you go down to the bubble and you see everything was kind of like made for TV. Right. So that's what that one was like. Um, and you really missed the fans. You did. This one is, is to a point where the fans are missed, but you look at each team and it's kind of sort of like they're doing, they're doing their best to get a great feeling, a great vibe. And it's more like a fan thing. Like you go to the Wells Fargo Center and you can't help but keep looking over and seeing the dancers dance and the flight squad or whatever, right? Um, so it's like one of those things where I keep saying to myself that I can't wait until the fans get back so the fans can experience this because it just seems like it seems like a party. Like it's not bad. It, it's like now I will say this. When the Boston Celtics played on what was it Wednesday and Friday, I felt bad for the fans because I felt like seeing the Celtics in the in the Sixers play is great for basketball. It's great for Philadelphia to go in there. And I know the fans like booing them. That's just a great thing to do. We really right? do. We really <laughs> do. So, that, so that's a great thing to do. And when you don't have that, I feel, I feel like the fans get cheated whenever they miss a game like that. So, but at the same time, you know, you got to realize it's for safety and everything like that. But in regards to it being a dead place, um, when you're in the arena, you don't feel that way. But when you watch it on TV, it's, it's kind of boring to me watching it on TV. So speaking of COVID and how the game and your job has changed, how has um, COVID and all the restrictions made your job more difficult? It's different because, see, in the past, a lot of times you wanted to be like, you know, you want to be close by. You want to. Like you want to get down on the floor before the game and and it's basically just to see things you know you want to be in a locker room you want to interact with players you really want to get to know them and when you when you do most of your interviews on um zoom a zoom call it's like 
you know, you don't, with those two questions, you don't say, hey man, so how's your mom doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? How's your little brother? I mean, you, you, you miss that in-person reporting. And a lot of times the in-person reporting, um, you know, before people, I mean, the in -per just being in person is when you really get to know people and you get to know the story of that person. So it makes it a little harder. You know, it's everything just seems like, you know, in a Zoom call, okay, Keith, you're next. So you only want to ask two questions because you don't want to hog up the time. But if Doc Rivers was there, after I asked my two questions, I would pull him to the side and ask another question on a one-on-one. -on -one. So that's the biggest difference. Um, over the summer, in terms of the front office stuff, um, you had some great reporting on a couple guys that the Elton brand brought in, in Prosper Karangwa and Spencer Dinwiddie or uh, Peter Dinwiddie, whatever, you know. Yeah, God yeah, I, I did it too a couple times. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> then the, you know, the Sixers go out and they hired Daryl Morey, this big fish. Were you at all surprised that Elton Brand decided to stay on as general manager? Or did you think it was more a product of how late in the game that was? Nah, because if you remember, like, it was weird because I don't know if y'all remember this, but there was a point in time when I kept writing, they're looking for a president. Right. You know, I, I kept saying they're looking for a president, you know, and, and you know, people are like, oh, no, no, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. They're saying they're looking for someone underneath them. Well, my sources were saying that they're looking for both, right? Right. So, and and then if you remember, like one of the guys who I I said that they were targeting was indeed Daryl Morey. You know, he was under contract at that time. So, no, I wasn't shocked. I, I wasn't shocked because, you know, here's the thing. Um, I, I think what probably could have happened is like, they always were going after a guy and then, you know, then they got the people underneath them. A lot of people thought Elton was going to be the decision maker. But then actually when they hired Daryl, you know, I think that Elton is a team player. You know, he wants to, it, this is to me personally, Elton having Daryl Morey ahead of him helps Elton long-term. Whereas right. these next three years, he can like learn from him. You know, Elton is on all the trips. Daryl includes him in a lot of things that they do. So it's one of those things where, you know, after this, I think Elton could go elsewhere and become a president of basketball ops or a GM of another team, and, and, and he'll have so much more experience than he would have. So with that being said, I think it's hard to turn down millions of dollars. Secondly, <laughs> secondly, I think that Elton realizes that this is setting them up long term to be in a better position. For sure. Um, speaking of your reporting, we obviously always reference your reporting because you're the best that there is covering the Sixers. And, you know, the Sixers are such a strange franchise and have had so many unique stories happen within the organization in recent years. I wanted to know from your perspective, what was more strange to cover as a reporter? Was it the Markel Fultz saga or the Brian Colangelo Twitter account thing? Uh, I, I would have to say the Brian Colangelo Twitter, Twitter account thing was, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the Markel folks thing was, I mean, I still to this day, you know, believe my sources wall said it was a mental thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That led to all that. The Brian Colangelo thing was, was just, <laughs> it was, it, it's funny now, but it was bizarre. And yeah. I'll be honest with you. It's I really was a little funny. upset. I was a little upset that they got busted because one of the one of these uh the twitter people like people they used to hit me up all the time and i was like dang dude you sure do know a lot 
whoever it was. And then I would look into stuff, and next thing you know, I'm like, oh, I got a story. You know? <laughs> so, so when you know when they were busted, I was like, wow, you guys are messing me up here. But yeah, that was bizarre. But I do want to thank you for what you said, Steve, because you said something nice. Um, in the oh, beginning. of course. Yeah, of yeah. course. We're so happy to have you. This is great. Very excited. So um, you've been covering the team for a while. So who are some Sixers that have stood out as particularly good interviews over the years and who you've really gotten to like build that relationship with when you don't have to do your interviews over Zoom? You know what? TJ McConnell was great. You know, I love TJ McConnell. And, and, I, and the reason why I love TJ McConnell is when I, well, I, I, I was fortunate enough to have covered at least one of his games on high school, college, and the pros. Um, when I was That's a high cool. school, yeah, exactly. I was a high school beat writer. I mean, high school reporter. They played Newman Garetti in the state championship. His freshman year, he was at Duquesne, and I covered Temple. And so I covered that game. So, you know what I mean? So like, I really, you know, I took a liking to him. Um, Nerlens Noel was cool. Like he was mega cool. Like he was like, he was like a hip dude. He always made you laugh. You know, he was just funny. Um, I mean, there were a lot of great guys like um, Robert Covington was good, mm -hmm. but I'm gonna tell you this. The one guy who was my favorite sixer, like off the floor, off the court, was a guy who got criticized the most because he was always injured. And it was Jared Bayless. Like Jared Bayless is a guy, like if you took the camera away and you just sat down and talked to him, you always left thinking that you were a little bit smarter. I mean, he was just, uh, yeah, like even now, like, you know, it, you know, you keep in contact with a lot of the former players and believe it or not, like I know he was criticized a lot, but Bayless was probably one of the smartest and most down to earth guys like I've ever met, you know? I remember, um, I remember when Jared Bayless played here and seeing him on Twitter and you'd be like tweeting out these like New York times articles that are way over my head and be like, this guy seems pretty smart. <laughs> oh, he was deep. Like, and he's into art and poetry. And it's funny because like he lives in New York. Um, well, he, well uh, he has a house in Phoenix and he's from Phoenix. Um, but he also, you know, has a place in, in in New York and like he walks the street and he's excited because no one knows he's a basketball player. Like, you know what I mean? He's just like blending in and stuff like that. But yeah, he's great. And then the funny thing is he so he uh, he comes from a real high academic family. Like a lot of people didn't notice, like he was accepted to Harvard, but wow. but he he went to um, Arizona because, you know, he's a McDonald's All-American. He's from that state. But he all his goal was to always get his degree. So while he was playing, he was going to class. Like he was doing online classes the whole time. And now he's getting his master's degree. So yeah, he's a deep dude. Nice. I um switching gears a bit, I would uh I, I feel like I would really just like be remiss if I did not ask you how your signature Twitter hashtag just I guess game came about. Um you know, you have a very good hashtag game. Everyone on Sixers Twitter knows it. Um, and particularly, a lot of times you'll end, um, you know, something with flow. And I wanted to know, you know, how you started doing that. You know, I, you know, it's weird. Like one day something happened. I was like, dang, man, look at that. Like, look, I like that guy's flow. Like whatever he, the way he was doing it, the flow thing. So then I did it at that time. And then all of a sudden, 
you know, I, I, I said, okay, let me try it again. Tried it again. Then I started thinking it was corny, right? I'm like, let me stop doing this. People are going to start trolling me. And then all of a sudden I didn't do it. And people start like making comments like such and such flow. So now it just became, you know, just a part of it, you know, flow. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, like uh, first quarter box flow or, or, you know, this, you know, he got his ankle broken flow. We're the last. <laughs> yeah, so that's why it's just, because when I don't do it, people always like say, how come you're not doing it? So, <laughs> well, yeah. I love it. I think, I think it's awesome. I do too. Thanks. So back to, we had talked about two really kind of strange stories in Sixers land a little bit earlier, but two strange things that happened during Sixers games. And we were wondering which was more like bizarre when you were covering it. So the first one is when my personal favorite, when the Sixers had to cancel the game because the floor was wet. Yeah. Um, and then also when the arena shot off the confetti for the game tying shot. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that guy got fired too. <laughs> It'd be hard to not get fired. Something happened. I think some, I don't know. I'm not. You never saw him again. Yeah, don't don't quote me, but that was embarrassing. You know what? <laughs> the floor being wet was probably the most bizarre. You know what I mean? It, it, that was the bizarre because the confetti thing is like, you know, someone just falls asleep. You know, they don't pay attention and it comes out. But the floor being wet was crazy because, you know, you're, you, you walk in the arena, you see people working out. And then all of a sudden it was like the Sacramento Kings, I believe. Yeah. And they're like, nah, dude, we're not playing. We're not playing. <laughs> And like, it was crazy because, you know, you later found out that this team just knew they weren't going to play. That some of the guys were in the locker room drinking Jack Daniels like that because they just knew they weren't playing. Yeah, it was oh, wow. from the from that team, from that squad. That's what On the Sixers or the Kings? From the Kings. Yeah, it wasn't. Okay. But now, again, it was like, um, I don't, I'm not 100% sure if it was Jack, but they were in there drinking something. They were sipping on something because they knew they weren't going to play. But yeah, that was bizarre. That was really bizarre. Yeah, I was there that night and I was sitting in my seats and I was like, Boogie Cousins has a mop. Like Boogie was out there mopping. <laughs> like every, I was like, what is happening? And then they were like, the game is being postponed. I was like, I guess I'll get back on SEPTA. Yeah, it was bad. It was funny because you had like the people from the Sixers blaming the arena people, the arena people you know, blaming someone else. It was just crazy. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, speaking of this kind of stuff, Keith, do you have friends who are beat reporters about other teams who are jealous of you for like the sheer number of compelling things that come out of this franchise, whether they're good or bad all the time? It feels like there's always something happening that's newsworthy with this team. Do, are your friends jealous? Sometimes, some of them are. Like, you know, before they used to laugh at me. Like they did. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Cover that team, you know, this and that. But they always say there's great stories with the Sixers. You know, they, so yeah, I, I, but um, I get jealous of the ones who cover teams that go to the finals all the time, like the ones who lived in Cleveland or, or Golden State. But yeah, they, right. yeah, they, they always say, like, they, they always joke and say, there's always something going on with the Sixers. You know, you stay busy, there's always something going on. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hopefully your trip to the finals is coming soon, right? I knew that. <laughs> so, so the trade deadline isn't for a while, but we were wondering the 
we didn't get James Harden. That was the one blockbuster trade. Everyone was waiting for that chip to fall. But do you get a vibe from the team um, that the most likely move that they you think they're going to make is like around the edges on like little positional players? Or do you think there's a Ben Simmons, some type of blockbuster trade that's still possible coming down the pipeline? I mean, my thing is, you know, like the last two games or the last, let's say the last five quarters, you know, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons start looking like the old Ben Simmons. You know, and I think if he can keep that up, then it could be a thing where they say, mm, maybe not. But if he didn't have that, you know, I could honestly see maybe that blockbuster coming down, you know, because, you know, right now it, the, the thing is, um, and I love Ben, like Ben is also a, a, a one of my favorites, even though we publicly, we go at each other a lot, mm-hmm. but um, he's one of my favorites, right? But um, the thing is, I think that, the Sixers all know, regardless of what Doc Rivers says, and even Doc knows, that in order for them to be successful in the playoffs, their ball handler is going to have to be able to make outside shots, at least take them. So, you know, if, if Ben Simmons can be aggressive and, and do that, I'm not even saying make them, just take them, I think that they'll be fine. But, you know, right now, when you look at Daryl Morey's history, you know, he's known as a guy that's always making moves, Right. So with that being said, you know, I don't think anyone outside of Joel Embiid is particularly safe, you know, and, and this isn't from any inside knowledge or anything like mm-hmm. that. It's just that one of those things right now, you know, this team is in first place, but they have to look at this roster and see if they play more games together as a group, see like, what can we do in regards to getting better? But if Ben Simmons continues to play this way, the way he did the last five, I think it could be hard for them to decide, like maybe we need to move on, you know? Yeah. Where do you, um, where do you kind of see, see management at right now in terms of like how much they feel like they're learning from this team? Because we were actually talking a little bit earlier in like a recap of the week before you came on that, you know, it feels great that the Sixers have such a nice, a good record. And, you know, a lot of the role players on the team look really good, but we still haven't had a game where the Sixers are, at full strength playing a team that we think is a really good team that's also at full strength which isn't their fault you can only beat who you play but does does management feel like they're still waiting to see a lot about this team or do they do they think they've learned from you know even though we haven't had that kind of game that they've learned a lot already I think it's the former what you said I mean you know management is like looking to say hey we still haven't seen a lot I mean let's face it you know like like you said they they've only had nine games where they had their whole starting lineup. And even with those nine games, they're like Mike Scott missed a couple, Furkan missed a couple, you know, things like that. So yeah, like they're, they're still in the process of filling it out. And let's be honest, like the Sixers, yes, the Sixers are 11 and five, they're first place in the East, but they also had the easiest schedule, one of them. So it's kind of hard to really say, oh, well, yeah, this guy is really gonna fit in when he's going up against guys that you know that you guys should dominate. So yeah, it's a filling out process right now with, with everything. Um, one last thing I wanted to get your opinion on is another thing that we were talking about earlier, and it's Joel, who is clearly in the midst of his best season. And, uh, you know, as we sit today would be the front runner for MVP. Do you, have you noticed any sort of push and pull about his games played or his minutes played, whereas the franchise might want to, you know, temper them a bit to make sure that he's healthy for the playoffs when Embiid wants to be out there every single game and state his case. Have you heard anything about that? 
you know what? I asked that question actually, and and Doc was saying right now we need them to play. Like what this this is what they think that formula is. Like right now they want that starting lineup to be in there, and they want them to get a rhythm. Like you know we talked about before just around, but. The good part is, is like if we get out there and we get out to a big league, then you guys can rest well. Mm-hmm. Now, again, they're not going to go out there and they're not going to kill him because they know like his injury history, but they do want him to play. And and then also, let's face it, you know, the only how Joel Embiid is going to get MVP is if he plays games. Mm-hmm. I mean, as dominant as he is, like I'm looking at it right now, I think he missed three games. Two of those three was against um, Nikola Jokic, the Joker, and the second one was against Andre Drummond. Now, some people, when it comes down to voting, they're going to argue, well, Joel didn't play against the best. You know, he was beating up on six, eight centers. So that's going to make it tougher for him the more games he missed because then people are going to say he went up against sub, you know, subpar talent. But I think for the Sixers to get everything right, Joel and them, they have to play at least at this at this point in time. Yeah, well, he has Anthony Davis waiting for him on Wednesday, so hopefully that's a uh, a big game where everybody's healthy. And um, Keith, we cannot thank you enough for coming on. Uh, we haven't even teased this to our audience. We're just going to drop it like a Drake album. But okay. it's very exciting. People are going to be so happy to see you on with us. We love your reporting. Um, Obviously, we can follow you on social media and, and you write for the Inquirer. Is there anything else that you'd like us to get out there? Um, uh, yeah, you can tell them that uh, Pitt's the best school out there. I'm <laughs> That's sorry right. you didn't go to Pitt. <laughs> and, if you did. and then secondly, you know, some they can follow me on Instagram. I need to get some Instagram followers up. And that's at Pompeii on Sixers. Pompeii on Sixers. I'll follow you on Instagram. I'll follow yeah, you yeah. Yeah, it's the same one as uh, as uh, yeah, Twitter. Yeah. And your podcast is Locked On Sixers, right? Yeah, Locked On Sixers, and tell them they could they could follow that on. You could get that on any. You could wait, you could download that or subscribe that to that on any uh, podcast that you subscribe. I don't know every wherever you subscribe. Wherever to podcasts, you get the podcast, you Yeah, I always get that tongue tied when I say that. My boss is like, "Come on, idiot, get it out." I'm like, all right, don't sweat it. <laughs> You're good. Can we uh, can we do ahead. can we do one more thing before we let Keith go, which is that we haven't done yet this week. Usually, we pick our, our we make our picks for next week, which That's games right. will win. I'd love to have have you make your picks as well if you're interested, Keith. All right, this sounds crazy. So let's say so they play. You talking about for this upcoming week, right? This yeah. yeah. So we we record well. So we drop on, on Mondays. So next month, any game from you know, obviously they don't play tonight. So starting tomorrow night against the Pistons again through Sunday. Okay, so okay, so here we go. So I have I have them beating the Pistons. Okay. I have them beating the Lakers. Love it. I have oh, them, uh, of course, crushing Minnesota. But get this, <laughs> I have them losing to Indiana. I think that's a safe. I think those are good. You know, the, Indiana's good. They always play them well. Yeah, it's good, but you would think uh, something about the Lakers. I think the Lakers come in there and those no fans, they're going to get fired up for that game, and then they're going to go to they're going to go to Minnesota and they're going to win. And the thing about Indiana, I mean, if you you know you guys are Sixers fans, they have a tough time in Indiana for whatever reason it is. They just yeah. have a tough time with that team, especially playing there. So I think that that's a loss. 
Well, I can tell you right now that I'm going with Keith's picks. So, so am I, actually. Put, we me, can put me down for, for Keith's picks. <laughs> oh, now, putting pressure on me now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Emily, this is your chance to make – right now I'm one game up on Emily on the season. So, Emily, if she, if she steers away, she could make a move here. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to lean into my relentless optimism, and I'm going to go four in a week. So I'm oh, going to give them all those Sixers. Wow, that's that would be nice. Good. Yeah. So like we'll it. see. That would, that would we'll... give them a seven-game winning streak, I believe. And that's I'm cool. into it. <laughs> I'm into it, too. I think that would be great. It would. Um, great. Well, I mean, we did it. Keith, again, thank you very much, and safe travels, and, you know, stay healthy during all of this, and uh, keep putting out the great work that you do, and uh, would love to check in with you again down the line. Oh, no doubt. Anytime. Just hit me up. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for coming all on, right. Keith. Thanks, y'all. Bye-bye. See you. Yeah.